0: The biggest thing that I didn't expect but that I get on a regular basis now is like the direct feedback. You give someone the food and you get to see them more or less eat it and that's crazy because you never get that as a chef.
1: Hello I'm Eric Anderson. That was chef, educator and entrepreneur Scott Dix and he is the star of episode 7 of YXE Underground. Scott Dix, or Chef Scotty, as he's known to a lot of people here in Saskatoon, is spreading the joy of cooking throughout our community. He's doing this in so many different ways and I can't wait for you to meet him. Now, before I go into all the, all the different ways he's making a difference in Saskatoon's food scene, I should explain where Thanks, I am. Yeah, so following that,
2: Devon, we are going mid-rare, pork, tortellini, and hot. Out. chicken, pike,
1: vegan, chicken, Okay, pike, so right beef, now, vegan. I'm in a very busy kitchen. I'm in a restaurant called Hearth, and Hearth is a fairly new restaurant here in Saskatoon. It's an incredible restaurant, and uh, Beth and Thane, the owners, have, have given me access to their kitchen, so I'm actually in the kitchen right now, because I thought it'd be pretty neat to talk about one of Saskatoon's great chefs, in an actual restaurant kitchen. So um, this is a really busy place. It's a Thursday night, there's people coming in and out. I'm trying to stay out of everybody's way, but I thought it would add a little bit of uh, atmosphere, ambience to the podcast. So I'm at Hearth right now, and if you hear stuff happening in the background, that's why, because I'm in the kitchen. All right, so back to Scotty. Scotty owns rural Saskatoon, and through his business, he consults with places like Collective Coffee, Nine Mile Brewery on the food that they're serving to people. And you also might know Scotty from teaching classes at the local kitchen where he has quickly become a star attraction. And Scotty cooks in people's homes. He basically does everything. So the first time I met met Scotty was when he was working in the kitchen at the Hollows and Primal. His skills are amazing but what I really love about Scotty is how approachable he is when it comes to food. I never feel like I'm asking a dumb question around Scotty even though I'm pretty sure I ask some pretty dumb questions. I I mentioned how Scotty teaches at the local kitchen. Janelle, our podcast photographer and I, were able to see him in action a few
0: weeks ago and it was so cool and doesn't have to be uniform just around that size we want kind of like some bigger chunks some smaller chunks and we're going to cook it all down so it'll the really small ones will almost puree a little bit oh, in that okay. so we'll have a little bit of chunky and some nice smoothness okay. so you can get all those cuts popped in here and then we'll bring everything to that side and cook it up.
1: Julie Griba and Bailey Wilmont are two of the owners of the local kitchen and know Scotty well. They pretty much sum up why I wanted him on the podcast.
2: I think Scotty's a huge asset to Riversdale. He makes the Riversdale culinary scene really approachable to the everyday person. We have a lot of really talented chefs in Saskatoon and we're lucky to have them but sometimes it can feel like they're so talented that they're on a different level than the home chef but Scotty makes a lot of those things approachable and replicable and it's it's just his basic style of he's not condescending and He's not snotty, he's just friendly, and he generally wants to see people improve. That's why he gets involved in, I think, all these startups that <laughs> start up in Riversdale that are culinary-based, because he just wants to help. He just wants to get in there and make sure that they have a strong menu and that they're going to get off on the right foot. He wants to see Saskatoon grow and improve. Yeah, and I think also he's really, um think it's really appropriate that you chose him for this podcast because he's definitely kind of in the underground yeah, he is. we have harassed him for two years now about getting a stronger presence on social media and he just doesn't want to have anything to do with it and we keep saying like you need to let people know who you are and like what your talents are and everything and he doesn't buy into that I guess I don't know he's just very humble and but amazing at what he does so I think it's great that you are highlighting him in this.
1: You'll hear more from Scotty's class about halfway through the interview. It's actually pretty neat to hear him work with so many different people in the kitchen. But right now let's get to the interview. Scotty and I met for a beer at Nine Mile Brewery here in Saskatoon and we covered a lot of ground. Everything from what he enjoys about Saskatoon's culinary scene to why he thought he wasn't that good a chef for a period of time to what the future might have in store. I hope you enjoy. This might seem like an odd question to start off with, but I, I was curious. Do you remember the first ever meal that you that you prepared, that you
0: made? Uh, not the first one, but I remember the first one that got me excited about trying to make it delicious. And it was some kind of ham sandwich on white bread. And I put the lettuce on, and I was, like, picking a different cheese, and then I remember cracking a lot of pepper on it and being really excited about that, so... Yeah, that was probably the first time. I, mean, I would have been 12, maybe. Maybe. Was that here in Saskatoon? No, that was in Vegreville, Alberta. And then right, right then, something clicked? Uh, no, not at all. That was just the one that I remember. But, but then I didn't do it again until I was about 17 or no, 18. 18.
1: Yeah. I, I'm always uh, fascinated to, to talk with, with chefs in terms of how, how they got to this point in their career. So what, at what point did you know, like, this is what I want to do?
0: Uh, Probably 25 years old, and I was working at Boneda in Vancouver. And I was learning a lot, and it was a really great kitchen, really great restaurant, really great chef. And then I started to get pretty good. And up until that point, I didn't think I was very good, but then I started you know, feel like I had a little bit of talent. So it just went from there. I, uh, did, did you go to culinary school then?
1: Yes, yeah. And I wasn't very good when I went to school. Okay, so how did you... <laughs> Because you're laughing, and but the thing is, like I've, I've eaten your food before, and I have friends of mine who have eaten your food before, and, and I think what you do with food is amazing. So where, where, where did you go to culinary school, and, and why do you say that you weren't good? How did you know that you weren't
0: good? Uh, I went to school in Calgary at SAIT and took the apprenticeship program, and how did I know I wasn't good? Well, maybe it wasn't that I wasn't good, but I just felt like... I was so close to the beginning of the learning, like it just seemed like everything was so daunting, There's so much information, I was working with all these guys that were just absolutely spectacular chefs, and I just couldn't imagine being at that level, like I just didn't understand, I couldn't wrap my mind around how they got that good. And then, but after a while you just realize it's a lot of repetition, and just exposing yourself to new things, and talking to a lot of people, and doing your own research and experiments, and all of a sudden you start to get good, and it's one of those things the better you get, the easier it gets to get better. So it's always exponential as you go along, so every time you learn something, you piece it together with all the other things, because it's such a, a beautiful dichotomy, is that a good word? It doesn't yeah.
1: Yeah. Is confidence hard to build in, in, in what you do? Uh
0: it's a good question. It's not hard to build confidence, but it's also very, very easy to get your confidence shattered. So. Because you'd go through so many, like you think one busy night in the service, if you're a chef and you're running the pass, then basically every dish is your food. And you're just pulling the strings of everybody that's there cooking the food. But it's, you know, it all funnels through you and you get the finishing touch. So really you're gonna feed on a busy night, maybe you'll put out 200 plates. And so if you get 180 plates that are right on, then then you win, your confidence is good. But if you get like, you know, Say you're having a tough night and you get 10 plates in a row that aren't up the standard, your confidence goes down really fast. And if you're the one cooking that, especially if you have a chef kind of berating you a little bit or if you're feeling the pressure or you're starting to get a little bit embarrassed because you either can't keep up or you made a mistake or something like that, then your confidence shatters really fast. And then you finish work, and you have a beer, and you have a good chat, and you go in tomorrow, and tomorrow's a brand new day. So you, usually, like you start, for the most part, you're starting neutral. It's just a day of work, and then as the day ebbs and flows, you either win or you lose. But it's a really long season, so you never, you can't hit a home run every game. It's so funny that you just
1: mentioned home run because as you were describing this, I'm thinking of a major league baseball player. At, with 162 games, you always hear like the good ones. They can't get too high or too low because you can go 0 for 4 one day. But then you got to play the next day, and and you could be two for three that day. Like, you have to stay steady.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And sports analogies are always great for the kitchen. They just work so perfectly because it is such a team effort. And it's not necessarily you're trying to win against the diners, you're trying to win against the rush. You're trying to win against the, the, the puzzle that you have to piece together. And, you know, when you piece it together great and everything goes super smooth and you have a room full of happy people and all the staff did well and they're all happy, that's the best feeling in the world. Tell me about this kitchen in Vancouver where you really, like, you, you hit your stride. What what was it like there, and, and how did you know, like, okay, things are clicking, I can do this? Uh, it was Boneda, which was, at the time when I got hired, they were just voted second-best re- new restaurant in Canada. I believe it was second-best new restaurant in Canada. And so they were on top of the world in Vancouver. They were there was a the busy spot. That's where all the chefs dine on their days off. And so I I don't know how I got the job because I was definitely super underqualified. But I knew the chef a little bit through passing, and it was all Quebecois chefs, and for a lot of like a lot of it, you know, it was a lot of it in French too, and, uh, and they were very serious. They were all like they were all doing their own things. Like one of the guys um, has a restaurant in California, and one of the guys has a restaurant in Quebec, and somebody's got a restaurant in Naramata and like they all have their own joints now. So it was just a room full of chefs, and I was the cook, and I just shut my mouth and worked really hard and did everything I was asked what were you cooking? Uh, I started on entremet so that's pans so it's a lot of vegetables and starches and then I was right by right beside the pass so entremet goes straight to the pass where chef Jeremy was and so he was always right there tasting everything all the time and he's always really good about that because just because it's good enough to go on the plate doesn't mean it's perfect and he would say every single time when it's not perfect but it's kind of like a little bit more salt. A little bit more lemon. A little overcooked. A little undercooked. What he would say it every single time, and not even in a, a ball busting kind of way. Just just information. Like you tasted it. I tasted it. This why this isn't. This is why it's not perfect. Keep going. Is that feedback? Is that useful
1: for for a cook, or, or does it get to the point where it's like, oh, just just get it out to the <laughs> to the people?
0: No, it's it's fantastic. Yeah. it's fantastic because it's not it's not holding up service at all. It's but it's just constant. You don't go into robot mode that way because you realize that everything is going to be a little bit different all the time and you know what chef's standard is so there's a standard you know i would i like to say standard is delicious so as long as it's delicious that's great and there's different stages of how amazing delicious can be but as long as it's delicious you're good so that's the standard and you know what the standard is so as long as you don't dip below that nothing negative is going to happen so it's just constant feedback it's not really positive or negative it's very neutral feedback just to keep your head in the game do
1: some chefs
0: Take it the wrong way in terms of are, are they are they a bit too
1: sensitive and they take that the wrong way and they get defensive?
0: Uh, yeah, some do, some do, but it's it's just people in general. It's nothing special or different about it being chefs or people in the kitchen or in the front or at the accounting firm. It's just every you have to deal with every single person in a different way to a point. Like yeah, you you, uh, you know you make certain concessions for other people. You know you know what how to get the best out of different people. Some people like to be stern. Some people like to be softened up a little bit. So. All depends on the person. I personally love the straightforward. Just give it to me straight, and let's move on. I, I think a, a lot of
1: people when they when they think of the job that you do, they they just think of you know how you prepare the food. But in a kitchen, there's so much managing that goes on, and people managing, isn't there? Uh,
0: yeah, yeah, that's most of it. If you're if you're near the top, if you're a chef or sous chef, usually works pretty hard on both. But like as soon as you start to hit the chef side of it where you're, ju- you're basically just managing the people and overseeing everything so your hands-on isn't nearly as much as you would personally like it to be but the idea is just to uh, get your excitement other ways and that's what I found as you get along once you're really good on the line and you feel like you can work any station anytime, now you've got to try to share that knowledge and guide people along and that's, that's a lot of fun too. Um, I'm going to get to that guiding along in a bit but I, I want to know how, how
1: then did you end up from Vancouver here in Saskatoon?
0: Uh, I cooked with the owners of the hollows in Vancouver, so they were looking to open primal and I was looking for a move out of Vancouver, so ended up here
1: What were your first impressions of of saskatoon uh, either the the city or, or even more specific kind of the, the restaurant food scene when you first came here
0: uh, city 's great. I grew up in small town Alberta, so I like the vibe but I know the prairies and the winter doesn 't scare me so <laughs> city 's fantastic it 's you know it 's it 's got it 's got everything you need it 's got a great music scene when I first got here, the food scene was good but small and it 's just constantly getting bigger and better as we go along and 'll ideally only get bigger and better as we keep going along and people's seems like the your average diner in Saskatoon is really starting to bring their business to the independent local restaurants a lot more than it did when I was first here so the chain restaurants they'd be nice and busy, but the the smaller restaurants they would not struggle, but they wouldn't they wouldn't be in that stride that a business wants to be in. But now you see places like The Hollows and Odd Couple and Collective Coffee that just rock and busy all the time.
1: So what what then does that you touched on it a little bit, but what does that say about people in in this city with with their
0: taste in in food and and wanting a dining experience? Uh, a lot of it comes down to honesty, and it's like so when you When you go to the odd couple, you see Andy and Rachel are there. They're there all the time, and they're just wanting to put out a really good product, make sure you have a really good time, and that you're very comfortable. So that's a lot more honest as opposed to just being another patron at another restaurant part of a really big company. You don't really feel the heart-to-heart as much. And then once you, if you are somebody who likes to die on a regular basis, you get to know the servers and you get to know the owners. And then you start to realize what a great small business community Saskatoon has, especially the Riversdale area, where everybody kind of knows everybody and everybody supports everybody and they want, you know, they want all the businesses to be doing well. Everybody hopes that everybody else is on point. Is that, uh, oh, there's Garrett. Hi,
1: Garrett. Oh, there's Sean. Hi, (laughs) Sean. There we go. Owners of, of 9 Mile here. Um, but is that is that... Um, did that catch you off guard in terms of that, that camaraderie? Because I'm sure coming from
0: Vancouver, it's a bit... Would be safe to say a bit more competitive? Uh, a little bit of both, actually. More competitive from the restaurant standpoint. But as far as the culture of the cooks and the front house staff, there was... Um, a really big scene of people who would always hang out together from different restaurants and when everybody, you know, people would move restaurants every couple of years and there's always a buzz about who's working where and everybody loved to talk shop and grab a drink and grab some food at one in the morning and it was, a yeah, a lot, of, a lot of people in the industry all getting together and then here the industry was just so small that it just, it's just not, it's not as big city obviously so it's just, uh, it's a little more sleepy and quiet when it comes to, you don't really see Tons of the cooks all getting together, but what I do see now, and possibly because I'm older and I'm not a line cook, is all the business owners getting together and you see them chatting on a regular basis every single day. At least somebody's running into somebody somewhere and they're chatting about business or what, you know, asking for
1: advice and things like that. Do you like that? Do you like to see that interaction, those relationships between businesses, restaurant owners? Oh, I love it. Absolutely love it, yeah. So when you, when you walk into a kitchen and, and you came to Primal coming from, from Vancouver, what, what is it that you look for in, in a kitchen that, that says to you, yeah, I'm, I'm going to fit in here, I'm, I'm going to feel comfortable here to do my thing? What, how do you describe that to, to people, especially people who, who have never worked in a kitchen before?
0: Uh, as long as if you're doing everything there, if you're doing everything from scratch or as much as you possibly can, you know you're in the right place. And if you feel like you do, you know you can do a good job. Then you can contribute to creating that standard at a place. So the people will kind of come and go, and there's always a revolving door. And sometimes the staff is better than others, and your coworkers are better than others. But at the end of the day, everybody's showing up to just do a good job. It's pretty easy to fit in and have fun.
1: It sounds like like. That could, that type of model just works anywhere else too, beyond a kitchen, doesn't it?
0: Oh absolutely, yeah, absolutely. And again, it just comes down to people. It's always the people. And it's the people taking care of the, you know, the people who work there taking care of the people that want to come in. You work with
1: lots of people these days. And and this is part of part of the reason why I wanted to chat with you too, because I, I you're you're doing so much in in the community. Can you um, and this might take a while and that's totally fine, but can you sort of um, list all the different relationships and maybe
0: all the highs that you have fingers in, in terms of the city? Uh, So, collective, there's two collective coffees, one on, uh, well both on 20, sorry, one here in the 220 and then one Avenue P. So I'm the culinary director for both those coffee shops, and basically I oversee what's going on for the menu and keep up in quality and just checking in with everybody, so it's not necessarily a a hard full-time gig, but it's just a nice part time gig and you know working with Jackson keeps me around he's such a great guy and it's such a great product that we put out on both shops we're really proud of that so that's, that's a really nice way to spend a couple hours in the morning and then I work directly with the local kitchen doing private dinners and cocktail parties and lots of classes and kind of when they started up I kept showing up from time to time just to say hi and talk business and so we've created a really nice relationship where they help me out and I help them out so that's been really good um Obviously, I was at the Hollows and a little bit at Primal before that. Um, my lady Christelle does some work with Odd Couple, so I'm really close with Andy and Rachel. And then I consulted for Bote Chai House, which is right next door to the local kitchen. We got that open at the beginning of 2018. And then for my personal business rule, I'll do drop-off caterings, in-house private dinners, weddings. Uh, I did a couple of pop-ups for YX Eats. And then with Nine Mile, I'm here about once a month doing a pop-up for a Thursday and a Friday. And right now we're brewing a beer together. So I don't know when this airs, so the beer might be on the tap by the time this. But we don't have a name yet, and I can't talk about it yet. But uh, I, think, I think that is it. I don't really know where to... Do you have a... Do you have a manager for yourself? Like, how do you keep track of all this? No, it's a solo show, so it's exhausting. Well, not, it's not exhausting. It's a lot of time. It never stops. It's like you work. You feel like you work as soon as you get up to when you go to bed, and you just take some breaks in between whenever you have a chance, but it doesn't really feel like work. You know, I'm always in my street clothes, and I'm just chatting with people and hanging out and sharing ideas a lot of time, So, like, the physical labor of it is a lot more minimal than it used to be in a kitchen day-to-day. But it is all-encompassing in the mind and on the clipboard.
1: Why did you want to go this route as opposed to to staying in in a kitchen at one place or maybe Hollow slash Primal? Why why did you want to do all of this and and be so involved with different parts of our community?
0: Uh, It just kind of happened that way. It's not what I planned at all. So I didn't have a job when I had left the Hollows. I just didn't really have anywhere to go so Jackson was about to open his new coffee shop and I'd known Jackson a little bit through the Hollows crew and I asked him if he needed a hand he said yeah and I kind of just assumed it'd just be a few months and I'd be gone but here we are you know coming up on a year and three quarters later and I'm still doing it with him and it's a blast and then local kitchen had just opened and they asked me to do a cooking class I had done a private dinner there we did a bourbon tasting dinner myself and Adrian Chapel from the Hollows And um, so then I got to know them, and I knew Caitlin from the Hollows before, and her sister Julie and Bailey are the owners of the local kitchen. And then after doing the dinner, they asked me if I wanted to teach a class, and I wasn't really sure if I wanted to do that, but I gave it a shot, and it was fun. Yeah, what, what was that first class like, teaching?
1: Before we hear Scotty's answer to that question, I want to take you to the local kitchen for one of his classes. There were about 12 people in the class, and Scotty had them spread out throughout the lovely space, working on different aspects of the meal.
0: The way the class kind of works out is we're going to line everybody up. We're going to prep all the ingredients together and then we'll plate the first course together and then everybody can sit down. You have a three course meal and I'll kind of finish everything off after that. Uh, Like Caitlin said, it's very casual. So please bring your drinks up, Um, bathrooms down there and sink right there. So everybody can wash their hands, grab you some aprons and we'll get going. So as far as stations, Going along, we have apple fritters. The apples for the fritters. We'll have butternut squash to glaze. The cure for the white fish. Some salted cucumbers, pesto, uh, buckwheat gravy, and caramel sauce. And I'll be bringing people around this way. Don't feel like if you pick one station, you're nailed there. So if you're curious what's going on down there, drop your stuff, take a look at what's going on down there. Let's go like that okay and doesn't have to be uniform just around that size we want kind of like some bigger chunks some smaller chunks and we're going to cook it all down so it'll the really small ones will almost puree a little bit in oh, okay. that so we'll have a little bit of chunky and some nice smoothness okay so you can get all those cuts popped in here and then we'll bring everything to that side and cook it up
1: okay you. are you listening to the chopping is that what's happening there I <laughs> know. <laughs> Sounds great.
2: Yeah, well it's not very fast, I'll tell you that much.
1: He said that it wasn't a race.
2: Right, he did say, he did say put not put a race. But I think there's some kind of like skill as a chef that you learn how to use a knife properly, which I don't have. Like, look at that one, that didn't turn out too much.
1: Well. But I think you eat that piece of cucumber. Uh, I think
2: you do, yeah, where did that go? go? I think it's right here. When
0: doing this do okay. you want to press too hard. Okay. so we'll do just like little guys like that. And the key is, you don't want any white on there, right. so if you go too hard, it's like that. my life, I'm trying
1: to zest <coughs>
0: for, Exactly, uh, so you get the little white and that's really, yeah. really, really right. bitter. Right. So the key I find, it's all in the little wrist action, so you lay it on, just, just gently on the wrist. And don't feel like you have to get all the zest <laughs> okay. off the lemon. Like, if you have a bunch of lemons at home, you'll always have more lemons and juice than you'll ever yes. need zest. So just right. go nice and gentle, like little flicks of the wrist. Of the hits and just try to make sure I wanted to teach a class. And I wasn't really sure if I wanted to do that, but I gave it a shot and it was fun. Yeah, what what was that first class like teaching? Oh, it was terrifying, I guess, because you don't know until you do it, you have like you don't know how you're going to do it, so you have no systems, you don't know how hard it's going to be, you don't know how good people are going to be, if they're going to pay attention, if you're going to have any troublemakers. Usually there are no troublemakers, so it's not a big deal. But uh, yeah, the first one was terrifying, for sure, because you didn't know what to expect, and it was still pretty fresh at the local kitchen, so they were still ironing out their systems and finding out what was missing in that, so yeah, the first couple were a were time, but now it's, it's just going in and having a good time and hanging out with 12 people and cooking dinner together.
1: So when you uh, when you do teach a class um, and you and you're just cooking dinner together, like I've I've been in family kitchens before where like there's you know the, you're you're supposed to be doing it together, but usually someone steps up and kind of runs the show a little bit. So when you're when you're teaching everybody, um, how, how, what strategies do you use? Like the, the the teacher part of
0: me wants is is very curious about. Them. Um, uh, how do I even explain that? Uh, basically, I'll just kind of get everybody set up on a job. And I'll go through the line and I'll talk to, like, I'll go to one person on their cutting board, I'll give them one job to do, I'll explain it, I'll give them any, you know, learning points that they may need, and then I'll go to the next person, and the next person i got to get everybody on a job, and then I just do circles around the island, make sure everybody's doing what they should be doing, and people ask questions, kind of a free for all. We let everybody have their drinks up there too, so, yeah, it, turns, it just gets really boisterous and loud, and people yelling my name, wondering where to go next, and then I, yeah, we just, kind of just let it happen organically as organically as possible because at the end you know I've had some classes that you know it's a private class so not everybody is super into the cooking aspect so obviously there's a lot of work to do so if it starts to kind of go that way I know I can jump in and I can just cook dinner for 12 in a 20 minutes notice anyway so there's always that fail site like worst case scenario I can just cook for these guys and we'll be fine and they get you know they get a good meal. So if you get, you know, uh, half a class who don't really, they just want to have a glass of wine, which is, you know, your prerogative, you bought a ticket, you do whatever you want, um, then, yeah, I just jump in and do a little bit more work and just make sure everybody gets fed on time. And, yeah, so it would just it's class to class for sure. Is it more fun when, when the,
1: I don't know, students is the right word, but the, the, the people are, are engaged and they're asking questions and they're picking your brain a bit?
0: Yeah, I like the, let's say, 80% of the people doing that, and then 20% of the people relaxing, watching, and having a good time, because okay. then it's not too much of a stretch for my energy, and everybody can get the proper attention, but if it's everybody, then it gets a little bit daunting, because everybody wants that one-on-one, but, I mean, you, you can't give everybody one-on-one at the same time, so it's nice when you can kind of go in and out, and keep certain people engaged at certain points, and then go to the next person, and you just watch the faces. If someone looks bored, you bring them over, and you get them doing something, so... Yeah, it's a uh, very... There's no specific plan. You just got to be ready for anything. Were, were you surprised that first class when, when
1: 12 people showed up and they wanted to learn to cook with bourbon for you? Was that surprising?
0: Like, how, how did that feel? Well, that one wasn't a class. That was a straight dinner. So we did 16 people, and we cooked... I cooked a six-course dinner for everybody, and Adrian paired the bourbons with that. So... But that was... Like the first time I'd ever done any kind of pop-up or dinner or anything and sold tickets by myself, so that was uh, that was a trip for sure. Because you think it might not sell out. And a lot of it was friends, and a lot of people just wanted to see what kind of food I would do, and which I was very appreciative for sure, but I didn't think it would kind of spiral into what it has where i'm going into people's houses and cooking dinner for their friends or i'm going so you go into people's houses now i've done that a few times yeah so it's yeah somebody will call up and say they want me to do food for their little house party and so i'll go in i'll set up in their kitchen and i'll cook a five course or a three quarter whatever they want or do snacks for however many people they want
1: what is that like
0: that's a blast too, because you get to see people in their element just hanging out in their home and everybody's you know very calm and very casual, you know, shoes were off, socks were on, music's going, and you know, you always get a couple people that are really interested in the food and you get a couple people who are just there to have a good time. And the biggest thing that I didn't expect but that I get on a regular basis now is like the direct feedback. You give someone the food and you get to see them more or less eat it. And that's crazy because you never get that as a chef. So you know you really start to get in tune like what do people really like because a lot of times as chef you're you're kind of telling people what they like as opposed to really seeing like you know sure they might eat it and say it's good and interesting and fun but when you see the eyebrows go up or you see the eyes light up or you see the smile then you know okay that's a winner that's really good and then you see like you know something that you thought would be a you know, very unique and fantastic. And this is going to blow people's minds. People are going to be super stoked. They eat it and they're just going kind to of eat it and it's it's medium for them. It's like, well, now I know. So, so what I thought was quite right and they kind of gravitated towards this. And sometimes you're surprised. Like, you'll do a combination that you think maybe a little bit too weird and people absolutely love it. And that's, yeah, it's a very pleasant surprise. So you get got to gauge that reaction a lot more intimately, I guess. That... That that is just so interesting, and and
1: like you said, that's something that a lot of a lot of chefs in a in a restaurant kitchen don't get to to see. Do you, is there part of you that feels lucky that you get to do that?
0: Oh yeah, absolutely. I'm I think I'm going to be very I'm very lucky, and it's going to pay off in the long run when I get back into a kitchen. Just having that experience for a couple of years of having direct contact with people who are uh, enjoying your product, or sometimes not enjoying
1: your product, <laughs> is can you remember a time when you've, you've gone to um, uh, someone's house and there's been a reaction that was either just like oh my gosh this is the most amazing
0: thing or oh my gosh what what on earth is this? Uh, is there a time that sticks out to you? Uh, the one that pops in my head first was it was just a potato pavé at some guy's house for his wife's birthday and there was eight of them there and I can't even remember what the meat was it was maybe like a whole roasted ribeye it was a big whole roasted beef chunk of some kind I can't remember which one and uh, yeah it was just with a potato pave which is uh, thinly sliced layer of potatoes kind of like scalloped potatoes more or less um, and people were just losing their minds and I, I don't know what made that one so special I've done it a million times and it's not I didn't create the technique or anything I didn't do anything different it was just uh, just a good potato pave I guess but they were losing their minds yeah. and it, it was almost to the point of like it just it almost seemed fake it's like there's no way anybody likes a pavé this like it's just it's not how it, it's like it's fine it's great it's delicious but it's not that but yeah they were they were losing it so maybe they never had it before maybe you know maybe grandma made a dry dauphin was who knows I um, i wanted
1: to run something by you because I've I've, um, I've been very excited to chat with you for a while and I've, I've been a fan of yours for a long time and, and you know that um, I, I have I have this theory that there are, there are very few things in the world that bring people together, like strangers together. Um, I think live music's one of them. Uh, I think sporting events is one. And I think food and good food is, is one of them. And what I really admire about you, Scott, is that you're doing all these different things in Saskatoon and it's bringing people together. And I'm wondering, do you,
0: do you kind of believe that in terms of food can, can bring a community together? I definitely do agree with that. Uh, I don't really think about it very often, and I feel like, like that idea, which is super bang on, and that is, is because it's you know you grow up with that. That's you know that ends up being in your DNA on what you ate as you grew up and what your your parents and your grandparents and your aunts and uncles cooked for you as you grew up. Grew up, but at the same time, I I usually take a little bit of a lighter approach to everything. I I like more of the fun aspect, so. I don't want to say it gets over-dramatized, but for me personally, I just like to just, yeah, just kind of the lighter approach, like really for me, it should be a good time. Because growing up, we always sat down, family dinner, 5 or 5.30, and I just remember it always being fun. Like it was, we, you know, three siblings, and mom and dad, and it was just always a good time. So... I really try. That's my main focus is I don't really want to hit people in the nostalgia as much. That's not as important to me as hitting them in the now and just having fun and enjoying food, especially when there people get to try things they don't usually try. And that's where it really gets exciting for me because all of a sudden you're kind of like a kid again, but you just have this innocence on trying something that you might be scared of that you don't know about or anything. like. So it's just that adds to the fun. That, that makes it just more of a... A casual good time, I guess. So I, I don't like to take it too seriously. I take the standards very seriously and obviously I take the business aspect very seriously because you can't not make money. So the business is serious, the quality is serious, but the overall execution and vibe should be very relaxed and fun and inviting and comfortable.
1: That's a really good answer.
0: Uh, you, you mentioned your family.
1: Um, is, is it? Do you cook for them and is that nerve-wracking at all?
0: Uh, I rarely cook for them. If I'm with the family, they cook for. Mom cooks for everybody, but if they're in Saskatoon, then yeah, I cook for them. And it's not nerve wracking at all. They're, they're easy to cook for. You know, they're not picky. Just make whatever I want to make, and they're always happy. So it's and it's very casual. I don't I don't go to impress. Yeah. Was mom a good cook? Uh, mom's a good cook. Yeah. Yeah, actually, she just had her 60th, and we did a big lobster boil for her. So that was a blast because I'd never quarterbacked a lobster boil before. Because my family's all Newfie, so they've always done the lobster boils, or you know, my my lady's family is from New Brunswick, so the uncles and her dad they do the lobster there. So it was good to be in charge of the lobster and the scallops for mom and bring her back a little bit of uh, Newfie nostalgia. Turned out nice. Great. Yeah,
1: fantastic. Um, you you have. I think we've we've firmly established that you've got lots on the go, um, but you did touch on the fact that like down the road at some point you said you want to kind of get back into maybe a a kitchen or a restaurant scene. What what does what does the future hold for you? Because it's like you said, like there there's so many different ways you can you can go. And and as a fan, I'm excited to see where you go next. But where where do you think the future lies? Uh,
0: No concrete plans at the moment, but always scheming on something. But. For sure, uh, a brick-and-mortar is is the goal, is to have, just to have a kitchen as opposed to bouncing around between cooking at Collective and cooking at Local and, you know, going on the run. I would love to have a, a nice home base where everything is there and where I can just, you know, have a staff and get back into the people management again because it's a, it's a place, it's one of my strengths for sure, so I'm looking forward to that. And just adding another business to the community in Saskatoon which it's just since I've got to know a lot of the owners of a lot of businesses that I respect I want to kind of want to be a part of that club a little bit which and it's yeah I'm looking forward to something like that so we'll see what happens. Do you uh, do you feel like you've learned
1: lots from seeing all the all the different owners and operators here in the city? Absolutely
0: yeah absolutely every the one thing I really love is everyone loves to talk shop so you run into them there's a couple of you know salutations how's the family and then it's straight to business all the time always talking about business and it's great and it's everybody you know the people I like to associate with they love to share their knowledge and they like I said they want everybody else to do really well so everybody's Helping, and they, you know, here's a couple of pointers. Or if you have a question, no, nobody ever hesitates to ask. So it's, yeah, it's a beautiful little community, and it's definitely learned a lot, like a lot of good advice, before I get into doing my own business. This has been a real pleasure speaking with you, and and I'm
1: excited to see what you do next. So uh, thanks for taking time out of your insanely busy schedule, Scott, to speak with me. Thanks a lot. My thanks to Scotty Dix for taking the time to speak with me. But you heard him mention wanting to be part of the culinary scene again here in Saskatoon, and perhaps in a more permanent way. A few weeks ago, I ran into him at the Deep Dark Woods concert at Amigos. There, Scotty told me some very exciting news,
0: and we agreed that we had to do a quick follow-up interview over a beer at Nine Mile. Uh, Well, what we can say now is that we'll be opening a restaurant on Broadway in the spring sometime, hopefully earlier than later, but we'll see how everything kind of pans out. Um, it's going to be in the what is now Nino's building, and the name is going to be Odla, which is a Swedish name that means um, to harvest, to to farm, to culture, to grow, and it's a direct partnership with Arlie from Farm 140, and our Somali GM is Lacey Seliger.
1: How did all this happen?
0: Um... Arlie and I know each other from basically as soon as I moved to Saskatoon. I used to order her pigs from the hollows. And we've always been really close and kind of on the the same page. And she's had a passion for wanting to open a restaurant for a direct avenue for her farm, especially her meat. And yeah, the opportunity just kind of came up. I was kind of a free agent doing the, the private chef thing. And they were looking to get into it. Why is now the right time? Um because it's now, I guess. <laughs> yeah, I don't know who's, I mean, it's just, it is the time. Not necessarily the right time, It just, it is the time. So, now that you've got this, this
1: place, um, is it, you know, because the last time we, we talked, we went through, like, the, uh, just how many places you're involved in now. Do, do you have to scale back on everything else and just put your focus on, on this new place now?
0: Uh, Yeah, everything's going to scale back, except for the catering. We're still going to keep that involved with the restaurant. So it's just going to kind of my business will be um, swallowed up by this new business. And so all my clients will go through the restaurant. And, yeah, uh, we're looking to diversify as much as possible. So there's a few things we're kind of working on to get our name out there and to get some more just more people enjoying the experience outside the restaurant in various degrees whether it be collaborations and pop-ups and uh you know um, just kind of yeah diversifying as much as possible um what's it what's it gonna be like to be on broadway uh that i don't know because i you know i spend most of my time work-wise in riversdale since i moved to saskatoon so it's a new section of the city for us and we're just, you know, we're excited to meet our new neighbors and, and see, uh, you know, what the, the day-to-day vibe is there. Like, I know what it's like on a Saturday night for, you know, late night for Amigos, and I, you know, I know what it's like for walking around getting a record, but that's about it.
1: Congratulations to Scotty on the opening of his new restaurant, Odla, in the Broadway District. Look for that this spring. And knowing his work ethic and creativity, as well as his kindness, I think Scotty's going to do really, really well. Episode 7 of YXE Underground. Thank you very much for listening. My name is Eric Anderson. I host and produce the show and if you know of someone doing something really great here in Saskatoon who is flying under the radar, please let me know. You can send an email to yxe at gmail.com. You can also find YXE Underground on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and on the CBC Saskatchewan and CBC Saskatoon websites. A big thank you to the CBC's Corrine Larson for being the consulting producer of this podcast and for being such a wonderful human being. A big thank you to Janelle Wallace for taking amazing photos for the podcast. My cousin Andrew Dixon for doing all the original theme music for the podcast, as well as David Hutton from CBC for being such a great supporter. And a big thank you to the staff at Hearth for letting me record my voice in their very, very busy kitchen. Thank you, Hearth. Hey! (laughs) They're really busy right now. I really wish all of you could see just the inner workings Of this kitchen right now It is so busy And it smells so damn good in here <laughs> and I, just, and I just want to eat everything But um, to Beth and Thane And to all the, the hearth crew Thank you so much the, This has been awesome to record my voice here, so thank you. And and, uh, I should also say thank you to my wife Jennifer and my dog Fred, Uh, I love you guys and thank you for being the best. Next episode, episode eight, it's gonna be a really great episode. It's going to focus not so much on a person but on a program and that is the grade eight EcoQuest class. That's part of the Saskatoon Public School Division. This class is is like an outdoor class but it's it's so much more and uh, I I got to spend a pretty much a whole day with the class as they explore through Saskatoon and it's it's doing wonderful things for students uh, in our city so can't wait for you to hear that. And before I go I would like to acknowledge that uh, not only this interview but my voice were recorded on Treaty 6 territory and the traditional homeland of the Métis. My name is Eric Anderson. This has been episode seven of YXC Underground. You can find more episodes at yxcunderground.com or on iTunes, Google Play, CBC Saskatoon, pretty much wherever you find your favorite podcast, you will find YXC Underground. This podcast is a production of the Salt Hammer Production Company. Thank you so much for listening. Have a happy holiday season and we'll talk to you in 2019, Saskatoon.
2: Yeah, other than that, like, personalities in the classes, he, like, is kind of a cougar magnet. <laughs> he is. All the older ladies like Scotty. So yeah, he <laughs> just kind of, like, rolls oh, with boy. it. He's a very good sport. And some men. He's, had, he's definitely had some men in the yeah. classes that are wanting to spend lots of time with Scotty, so something about him. Yeah, he doesn't get too flustered. No. No. Yeah.